This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, November 23rd, 2019. And we have here in the studio today, um, Pulp Rev Rider and <laughs> I'm lying. I am a liar. Would you look at that? We tricked everybody into joining us. <laughs> we told we told them that Yakov Merkin was going to join us from Israel, and we even stood up a cardboard cutout on the stream, and it fell over just as soon as we got started. <laughs> I was going to announce something, and just as the words were coming out of my mouth, I became a liar. <laughs> That's just impressive. And then right after that, I was going to say, uh, hey, Doranal, how is your week? <laughs> Why, thank you for asking. My week was fine. Uh, it's uh, It was an unfortunate week at work, but uh, back in town, I, uh, I did I tell you that I've taken up fencing again? You did not. Yes, I... I hadn't done it since college, really, and uh, and I was I was looking for something to do uh, since I wanted to get out and get a little more exercise. And I noticed there were a few fencing schools in the area, and I said, "Well, that sounds great. I'd like to try that again." That's awesome, dude. Seriously, it, it is great, uh, and it's been a lot of fun so far. I found a a little place. I found a little place that's uh, run by a bunch of people on the east side. Um, and for those of you who don't know uh, the geography of the Puget Sound, Seattle area, Seattle's actually uh, a city between the sound, the the you know that goes to the ocean, and a lake. And then there's another lake to the east of that. So the east side is actually, if you've heard of Redmond, because that's where Microsoft is. So all those little towns and cities on the east side of the lake, east of Seattle, that's the east side. So f I found a bunch of people who do fencing out there that specialize in the weapon I like to use. I, I'm a saber fencer, and I don't have to drive into Seattle on a weeknight to do it. So that's uh, it's great. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's really cool. I have never done any fencing uh, in my life. I've never had the opportunity. I've never been in a situation where that would be a realistic opportunity for me. None of the schools I've ever been at have taught fencing. And there weren't any fencing clubs or uh, places around me. Well, it's a bit of a niche sport, but it's popular enough. I think I think if you really looked into it, you might find some schools up there uh, where you're at. But it's 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 a nice sport. It's a uh, well, let me talk about it a little bit. I uh, I mean, it's one of the original Olympic sports. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. All right. Get ready to be bored. The uh, the original uh, decathlon. Yeah. I yeah. The original decathlon was, I think, running, shooting, horseback riding, and uh, fencing. And there's one other. And of course, those were all the skills necessary for a soldier back in the 19th century. Uh, so it's it's been a sport for a long time. It's it's actually a lot of fun. There is a couple there's a couple things that sort of make it difficult for me though. Uh, the first one obviously is that I'm pushing forty here, <laughs> and I don't have the I'm not as limber as I used to be. You can understand that I bet. Yes. But the other thing that I had forgotten about that, that was a real problem is uh, a long, long time ago, I had a nasty fall and I broke my wrist. And it's is the wrist on my right hand. And so that's fine. I don't have 100% movement in that wrist. 
I can fence, but the first time I actually fenced for a couple of hours, I did I did about an hour of free fencing with the folks at the gym, and then uh, about forty five minutes to an hour with the with the coach with the instructor. Uh, the next day, my wrist was slightly swollen and sore. So, I mean, that's difficult for me, but uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. Cool. And tell me if you're surprised. Uh, they they've got three weapons in Saber. They've got the the foil, which you know looks like two guys poking at each other, and then the epée, which is similar. It's a big heavier weapon, but uh, I use I fence the saber. And and tell me if you're shocked, but I prefer the saber not just because it's it's a, a slashing weapon, but because when you fence saber, the action is fast and aggressive. Hmm. The same I, I did fencing. I did fencing for about like a month, a couple of months, like years ago. It was years pretty ago. fun. We'll get back yeah. to it, and welcome back to the stream. <laughs> Thanks, you know, I, I don't have time. I have too many things I know I want to do. I don't have enough time. Well, it's I a mean, classic problem. Yeah, uh, you guys, you guys with your writing careers. This is this is what's killing me. Whenever I talk to you or or the other, you know, Pulprev authors. They talk about, oh yeah, it's actually a full-time job. You have to write all the time. So hey, <laughs> qu quit your quit your illustrious writing career to go fencing. That's what I say. Yeah, well, I'm ready. I'm ready training for ninja anyway, so I think I have enough uh, to work on for now. Oh, that's right. You're doing uh, uh, Israel ninja, ninja warrior. warrior, yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for auditions for season three. It's in February, I think. Oh, so, that's that's forward. awesome. So so do you have? Do you have obstacle courses that mimic the show that you train on, or do you just do general training for fitness? Uh, mostly general training, just because I'm on base all week most of the time still. But there are there's a ninja gym about a half an hour from me that has some of this like the very iconic obstacles and also other stuff that's generally either obstacles directly from the show or things that are close enough that you can train the proper movements and the proper muscles, etc. So uh, that's pretty new. That was only open. Like last, uh, like last winter or so after season one, because this is only season two just finished here, so it's still pretty new, but it's opening up and getting popular. I think that's cool, and and it's it's sort of of all the you know, and, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to denigrate the work that you're putting in, but all all of the sort of goofy uh, game show type reality shows, Ninja Warrior is the coolest because it really does showcase impressive training and fitness and so it's it's like a worthwhile game show if that makes sense uh yeah, and, 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 and kick their asses so. oh yeah yeah oh yeah so uh so welcome welcome back uh daddy Warpig. thank you do you want to finish your your wonderful introduction of our illustrious guest uh this is yakov merkin who is a Science fiction writer, and he's also in the uh, IDF. So you know, watch what you say. We we we've we've already been trying to figure out in the in the chat whether I meant uh, he's uh, a Jewish man who is a tank enthusiast, or he's an enthusiast for Jewish tanks. And we're trying to figure out what a Jewish tank would be. Well, we have one here. I mean, we Israel built our but we built our own uh, tank line here, so. I guess that's the Jewish tank because it was actually designed and built all in Israel, pretty much. So the Merkava line. So I guess uh, that. That's great. I, I like to I like to hear about I like to hear about people actually building their own stuff, especially military stuff. Instead of, I mean, America's made a lot of money selling military stuff around the world, but it's, yeah. Um, I was oh. about to launch off into a discussion of the F twenty, and I thought better of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get the military hardware nerds on on this stream too. This is a this is a polymath stream. <laughs> I thought no no let's let's just let's keep math. on talking about something on topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a math hey Warpig, how was your week? <laughs> um. 
same as always. It did a lot of work. It did a lot of research. And uh, most recently, I've been watching a couple of Ful Fulci films, the Italian horror expo uh, exploitation director. Um, I've uh, been reading Alan Moore's run on the Swamp Thing comics. Uh, my very first time reading those, I'm about halfway through his run, he did about four years on it. He invented John Constantine, Hellblazer for uh, uh, Swamp Thing. So it's the very first appearance of John Constantine. He is a fabulous writer and storyteller. Um, it's just astounding. Once you get back into when he was writing just as a writer and wasn't yet Alan Moore, uh, he... Uh, was really amazing. So that was, that has been very, very enjoyable reading it. And it's, it's really good horror. Well, that's interesting. That's not the first time I've heard that, you know, the, the Alan Moore swamp thing is the only other comic I've read. Uh, did you know that I've seen those? Just blew your mind. You've seen those like pass them by in stores or you've read them. I've I've read some of them. I actually have a, a, a I don't know what they call it. Just a, I've got a paperback with the first few oh, episodes. Oh, the first trade. Yeah, the first trade paperback. It's got like seven seven issues in it. And and I think you're right. Uh, it, the Swamp Thing is sort of or was the Swamp Thing was his. Uh, it was meant for him. It was it, he was a good writer for that sort of thing. It's just really just killer horror. I mean, I just enjoyed it. And, you know. And I'm going to, I want to spoil something. The, the cool thing about it, I think, was the origin story that he did, sort of turning the swamp thing on its head. Yeah. Where, where, uh, and I don't mind spoiling this, that the, the ultimate, well, no, I shouldn't. Uh, is the statute of limitations out on a comic book that's like 30 years old? From 1984, yes. All right. So the 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 source of the horror in the first couple of issues is that um, the doctor who became the Swamp Thing, uh, he died, right? And and the Swamp Thing was actually the the spirit of the of the swamp. It was the plants themselves inheriting his thoughts and memories, sort of like a a, a mimetic. Or you know, and and he the, he compared it to planaria worms eating other planaria worms and learning how to rerun the obstacles for, from the the you know the deceased worm that sort of thing. I don't know if you ever know that story, but that was that was part of it. So that was part of the horror too, uh, which which I thought was really cool. Yeah, he did. He did a lot of really interesting things with what was to me familiar concepts like he had a, a vampire uh, story and he did different things with vampires than I've ever seen anybody do. Um, and that was just cool. Um, so I, I've been very much enjoying those. Um, and I've done some other, other things this week too. Uh, some of which I want to talk about next week. Because they tie into uh, the ending rant from last week, so a multi-week. Yeah. We're gonna have a multi-part, multi-week rant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's been a lot of, of research, been a lot of work, been a lot of development, and uh, things go on. Amen. Um. So our our guest uh, popped in to join us on the show because, like all hardworking servicemen, you've got a new book out, right? Yeah, book Space Opera series, Galaxy Ascendant series. And also, this is kind of a funny time because I have the next book, book five, is coming out on December 10th. So it's only a couple of weeks away. Trying out the somewhat 
faster release time at least for these two books because I funded them together. I mean, the books are titled part one and part two because it's basically um, like I wrote them initially as concepted as one book and then I broke it broke it into two because otherwise it would have been pretty massive. And uh, and there we are. I mean, it's like you're going to think of a six book series and there being seven because of this one because they need to give this uh, galactic scale or enough pay. So. All right, is this the book cover? Uh, I love this book cover, by the way. This this poor alien guy, his face is floating through space and always gets shot. <laughs> is this the is this the book cover that you got pulled from Amazon for all the all the blaring blasters? I was thinking I did that. Uh, this one, yes, Mike. It but I only have tried because sometimes I was that one yeah I think I think your uh, audio got cut off by the uh, internet uh, but I was just admiring the cool old school pulp style artwork and you've got at least one fan who needs this on a t-shirt any chance we're going to see any galaxy merch. ascendant merch That's a no. He's he's offended by the idea, and he just had to log off. <laughs> I mean, we should tell people uh, Yaakov is uh, located physically in Israel, so he's uh, quite on the other side of the world, and uh, um, also on Wi-Fi. So, yeah, and he swears he's not he's not he's not really anywhere near the war zone, but. I don't know. Mega Buster Shepard may have it right. Hamas is Hamas is in on on his equipment. He couldn't tell us if he was near a war zone anyway. That's classified. Oh sure, sure. Um. So, do you want to hear about my? <laughs> as long as we're having to find things. <laughs> well, yeah. So gets his connection back up. Uh, he writes good books by this one, too. <laughs> Great. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's back. Welcome back. Oh. Yeah, you're back. It was always... Right here right now. So we were just asking uh, that you're cover here is getting a lot of positive buzz. Is there a chance for merch in the future? I need one of those uh, I need one of those uh, fry from Futurama memes. <laughs> Not sure if it's latency or his connection's dropping again. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know either. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm gonna. Yeah, this is why I wanted to try and switch to my hotspot, but my phone and computer weren't getting along, so it wouldn't. And I have no idea why. Well, you're coming in clear right now. Is there something that you want to talk about, pontificate on a little bit, so we don't have to worry about the latency? Uh, sure. Or the. Um, oh, I'd lo love to hear. Love to hear what's what's on the top of your mind, books or 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 what else, whatever else is going on in your life. Thank you. 
scroll on my face. So I'm taking advantage. So because that might be done in a month or in less than a month. We'll see what happens. Book six is now. Into my editor, hopefully. Next week, and then almost dear. Basically, very uh, heavy. Yeah, I remember that. With, uh, No, it's a very around here. It's all, but it is gonna be. It's not gonna be as much. Book five isn't even out. Yeah. Although everybody who Benny Gogo already has their ebook, I've already read it. Oh no! All right, I'll I'll tell you guys what we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna see if we can schedule Yakov for next week. See if his connection problems clear up, and we're gonna hijack the rest of the show. And dive into the stuff that the topic list uh, that I actually sat down and prepared last night when I forgot that Yakov was coming on the show. <laughs> yeah, Yakov, good. Come, come, hang out and and join us as best as you can, and we'll see if we can figure out uh, a better time for your internet. How's that sound? Um, if I could fix it. If uh, you get in hospitals, any sure, usually is what I take some time, see if you can fix it. And if you can't, we'll, we'll be running. All right, okay. Daddy Warpig, what's on your mind? Um, I'll uh, let you know. Like I said, I've been reading the Alan Moore Swamp thing. And I I don't have the language to say anything deeper than he's just a really good storyteller. Um, he has great economy of language. And let me say first that the first pe the people who created Swamp Thing, they had like 20 issues. Uh, before the first Swamp Thing series uh, finished. And then they had another writer come on and do 20 issues or so. And then Alan Moore came on and started his run. And his run lasted about 45 issues. So I read, you know, eight or nine issues of Alan Moore. And then I went back and read one page of that second guy's run. And I'm not saying he's a bad writer. I'm not saying he's a bad guy because I haven't read anything else he's written. But he had so much text on the first page that having gotten used to Alan Moore, my eyes were just rolling in my head. I was fighting to stay awake. It was awful. In, in a comic, you have to have economy of language. You have to be very sparse. We talked about this on the show before. Um, when John was here, John De La Rose was here, we talked about this in relationship to his comic, which is what uh, Flying Sparks which is what he was, uh, what was coming out when he came on the show. Um, so... But, but Alan Moore has this. And yet at the same time, there will be pages with, you know, a relatively large amount of words because they need them. 
So not only is he economical with words when he needs a lot of words, he puts them on the page. He doesn't just blindly follow the rule. Um, so that's one good thing he does. And I could point to several different good things he does, good techniques he uses. But with a writer like that, you can't really... It, what makes it good is just more than the sum of its parts. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, he's he's using the techniques as a writer to create something great, more than the sum of its parts, as you said. Yeah, and you could have another writer who's using all the same techniques and using them correctly. I mean, he's not doing anything identifiably wrong. But he just wouldn't be as good as Alan Moore is. There's something about some writers who just have that spark of, you know, creation. And, and, and I'm sure that's true for, uh, from what I know, for all art. There's something about certain painters and certain composers and whatever that they have uh, better results their talent, uh, or what the Greeks used to call their genius. They have better results with their uh, material than other people do. Or, you know, Amadeus versus Salieri. Um, but whatever it is, at least for this run on uh, Swamp Thing, Alan Moore have it, had it. And I loved it. It just... It was just awesome. It was horror stories. They were good horror stories. They were involving. Um, they kept me gripped to the page. Um, and they were just really enjoyable. So I would highly recommend if, you know, if people have a way of getting hold of, um, the volume two of Swamp Thing, beginning in issue 20 to issue 40 or issue 65, by all means, read them. They're just spectacular. Um, and they're spectacular in a way that you can't demand every comic be because they're unusually spectacular. Um, there, there are other comics that are excellent and quite good, but they're never going to be this spectacular. So you can't, you can't expect everything to be that good. Some things ju you just have to sell for good or excellent. <laughs> Only good or excellent. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> was, and, and how much of that, how much of that was uh, writing ability? How much of that do you think was? matching the author to the to the genre or matching the author to the source material specifically what happened is he came in and re exactly as you were pointing out with remaking the origins of the swamp thing he remade the material in his own image he just you know he changed the tone he changed he got rid of the all the background characters that the previous author had worked on for the first 20 issues he changed everything to inhabit uh so that it it fit his tone this darker horror tone um and so i mean this was he was writing um vertigo comics like uh, 10 years before Vertigo itself was even a thing. So there is a, uh, there's a saying on the cover. Um, <laughs> sorry. I just went to, to 
tell you the saying on the cover. So the cover I pick, of course, is the one that's tied in with uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths that doesn't have it. And I want to get into sophisticated suspense is what they call it. These, these comics were very much for adults. They were not for children. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, Vertigo was known as like the adult line. And so they had like nudity and, and stuff like that. These were still under regular DC. And even though they no longer worked under the Comics Code Authority, um, they didn't have, uh, you know, rampant nudity. Um, I'm trying to remember if Alan Moore's run so far has had any nudity. Um, they didn't have, you know, bloodiness or anything like that. So when you say they're for adults, they're for adults because they're really quite scary. <laughs> Not because it's F-bombs dropping all the time and, and nudity and, and sex and all of that. So uh, it uses, yes, that's what I started off with reading. Um, it uses uh, horror in just really cool ways. I'm going to have to get specific, and I'm trying to remember which one of these runs is the best. I mean, which one of these story arcs is the best? I'm going to do the vampire one, because that's the one I like the most. Oh, is that the one with the with the vampire that feeds on children? Or, or am I thinking of a different story? You're thinking of the Monkey King. Yes. I really liked that one. Yeah, that was really good too. I'm inferring from past uh, from things that are stated in the storyline that this happened in the past because I didn't start by reading the 20 issues of the original team who created Swamp Thing and the 20 issues of the guy who restarted it. I only read Alan Moore. So I may be inferring incorrectly there is a little town close to the louisiana swamps where the swamp thing lives and it's called rosewood and at some point rosewood started to get a vampire infestation and it grew and grew until the town was almost completely destroyed and the vampires were about to spill over um out of the town into the surroundings uh and just start to expand so the swamp thing at this time you know before they retconned it he was alex uh, or alec holland um in order to save all these people he Tore down an old dam just above the town. In vampire lore, it's said that vampires cannot cross running water. And in the comic, they they change that a little bit to say that the reason why they can't cross running water is because running water will destroy vampires. So he tore down this dam, and it swept through town. And as it swept through town, it just wiped out the vampires. Huh. That's a clever twist on the on that legend. Yeah, that, that's that's a cool way to dispatch some vampires. I mean, it's maybe not as exciting as getting uh, getting the steaks and the garlic out, but 
sorry, I had a small human technical difficulty. <laughs> um, there have been a bunch of those today. Hey, Yakov, how's your how's your equipment working? I mean, I how's think your it's better. Internet? I got my phone connected to the computer on the like by USB, so it seems to be using that now. So hopefully that means it'll be fine because I have a good phone service here, so that should be a, uh, <laughs> a much funny. better option. I mean, so far it seems to be fine without. I don't not hear any choppiness this time, so hopefully that'll work. No, you're you're coming in much clearer now. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, that just my Wi-Fi in general isn't that great, and then sometimes it just doesn't work at all. So. Oh, uh, and, and you got cut out almost all of the latency. You're actually hearing me almost in real time. Okay, well, that's good. I guess my means I have good phone service. <laughs> let, let me finish this real quick, and then we'll yeah. get, get back to Galaxy Ascendant. Um, so that's the backstory to this three or four issue run. It turns out, after he destroyed all the vampires, that what happened is a small group of them survived because they were in an airtight freezer in the supermarket yeah and so the running water never hit them and now they're living underwater in rosewood and unlike any other vampire infestation that had happened before they had set up their own community their own town and they would just come out of the swamps because now it's a big lake, right? Where the, and the town's buried underneath it. They would come out of the water, grab people, take them back, feed on them. And that's when Constantine brings the swamp thing in and says, we need you to clear this mess up because um, people and kids have gotten kidnapped and taken in, and we need you to finish the job that you botched. <laughs> Whoa. And so, I, I don't want to ruin the story. That's why I just gave the background and, like, the beginning of it. But it's great. It's a vampire story with vampires like I've never quite seen before in a location you I've never seen vampires before. And what they do with them is unusual. I just like all of it. Um, and that's what Alan Moore had. It's, it's not just a gift of writing. He actually put together some good things. And I'm not saying they're not, they're 100% original, but they were definitely novel enough to keep my, to hold my attention. He, he, uh, he really made it worthwhile to to read his stories and get ideas and situation to to encounter ideas and situations that nobody else had done things exactly like that before. It was very worthwhile and uh, just freaky, spooky, disturbing is everything a horror comic should be. I love it. I recommend it myself. I didn't read the whole run like you did, but the I read that first uh, that first trade, and that was really good. All right. Now that I've talked about Alan Moore's run on the uh, swamp thing, let's go back to Yakov, who has apparently fixed his technical difficulties. Yeah. Hopefully, yes. It seems that way. All right, so so what's new? When you were cutting in and out, you were talking about uh, how you were. Did you say that you're stepping back from the giant solar system spanning uh, space battles, or what? Somewhat. I mean, basically, without really giving anything away, this is something it's evident by the titles and just the nature of the story itself. Is the actual the big war that's been going on in the story since book three? really end of book two, actually. But since basically book three and continuing through book five is going to be ending in book five, but the series isn't over yet. There's still two books left. So, like, I'm going to be... There's obviously still going to be space battles in some degree, but not as many on the same scale, I guess, as uh, books four and five, where it's a lot of pretty massive fleets fighting other pretty massive fleets for a good chunk of the story. And 
I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep it interesting. I'm trying to not do the same thing every book because it's an issue with some series where you become, you end up doing, writing the same book a whole bunch of times. And so I'm trying intentionally to keep things a little bit more interesting, obviously, while still following the story threads, probably I'm not trying to subvert expectations in any kind of stupid way. But I'm trying to just do uh, some somewhat unexpected things, and but things that obviously are prepared from before and things that connect back to the earlier books in the series even. And that it feels like a natural progression of where things would go after uh, the end of the events of book five. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, enjoy, I wrote book six, I think, in record time. And I'm already a quarter of the way done with book seven, just about. So moving along very nicely. My goal is to get them both out by May. So I get to claim that I've already had a book series in uh, in uh, three years. So I could have that as like a little thing I could say from now on. <laughs> because that's about where I'm at at this point. Like May, May 2017, I released book one. So uh, that three-year anniversary would be a good, it's my, my, my personal deadline for finishing the series up. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, forgive me for asking before, if I've asked this before, but are this series spanning seven bo seven books? Are you following the same uh, main character throughout, or is it is it is it more of like a setting where you tell different stories? Uh, no, it's the same. All the main characters from the earlier books um, that are still here are still there and they're still being followed. The only difference is I've been adding more characters. So by the time I get to book five. There are nine viewpoints. I went a little bit crazy, I think, with the amount of character viewpoints I have. That's why book five is the longest book in the series, aside from the first one, because I need to add enough space for an extra character for book five. But uh, but yeah, everybody who is around in book, all the main characters from book one, follow through all the way to the end, with just adding on new people. But nobody after book five, nobody uh, knew, aside from possibly a spot viewpoint here and there. If I need a certain, like a side character. I, Tie character to get a viewpoint for one short chapter or a part of a chapter for plot reasons. I might do that, but otherwise, the cast we have, the main cast is what main cast we're going to have all the way till the end of the series here. Cool. Yeah, it's been fun. It makes it easier to write because the longer you write a character, the easier it is to just go right back into their head again and just keep going where you left off. There's a lot less time spent trying to think of what they would be saying or how they would react in the situation. Like, there are people that I know very well by now. So it's just, that's part of the reason why each book in the series more or less has been written at a faster pace because in addition to that, the setting obviously also is largely already established in my mind and in the book. So I don't have to think as much about what goes here or where they are or what ships there are here or who is who's on what side. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why series... Are preferred by a lot of writers because the world building is done already for the by large by large degree from the early books and i just keep going and obviously adding new stuff too but uh, it's less work overall as compared to starting over with another series another setting so so yeah, it just keeps getting bigger yeah that makes that makes sense what, what about do you have any uh, or have your readers sorry i'll ask this a different way have you had any breakout characters? Any anybody that your readers really uh, like? They're like, "Hey, tell me more stories about so and so," or, or can um, I get a can I can can I get a T-shirt with the with the Star Trek android on it? <laughs> that sort of thing. I don't know if anything comes to mind. I know it's you know, because I haven't had, I don't have that many readers that are directly talking with me about stuff yet. I mean, there's a growing number of people who I know have read the whole series, but I don't know if I've had any specific characters mentioned yet although one character one reader did specifically mention he did like my uh, it's a side character who is basically a darth uh, darth trump if anybody if you ever saw that that uh video from a few years ago like, like oral knots made it where they overdubbed darth vader scenes from star wars with trump quotes and it was very funny so i decided to make a character based on that character because it was really funny oh i'm gonna and look that up now <laughs> yeah you know, it's a very funny video but like so this guy i have a character that's obviously a side character for many reasons who is based that I could describe as a Darth Trump kind of character. And it was a very fun character to write. And one reader specifically mentioned that he really enjoyed the character because it was kind of a Trump parody. That's both that didn't go into like over the top in 
making him like the best thing ever, but it allowed, allowed him to be kind of annoying a little bit in the way that Trump could be annoying. But also you see why people might like him in universe and why people don't like him in universe too, obviously. But it was a fun little side character who gets to have some interesting moments uh, in books four and five. Actually, he really gets to do some fun stuff interacting with some of the other characters and he'll probably continue on past this main series because the, the universe itself is not going to be ending with book seven. I have plans to write in this galaxy probably forever almost. And that character is going to be sticking around. Although I have had characters, I have had side characters start off as side characters who got themselves promoted to a main character because I just enjoyed writing them so much. So I have had that, but that's from my own, uh, experience from writing and obviously not directly from a reader mentioning anything at least not yet oh that's good i love to hear about the the darth trump thing you know that just <laughs> makes me realize that that guy for all that he's loved and hated that guy is going to become a permanent character think just thinking about that now i'm just waxing here but <laughs> think about the the characters we have in our history where you can think of uh, at least in American history, Teddy Roosevelt's a character. Lincoln's a character. Washington's yeah. a character. Maybe he's not as great as those men. Well, I'll let history decide. But <laughs> but he's he's such a big character. I think Teddy Roosevelt's the best comparison. You know, uh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna see. We're going to see 100 years from now clips of him saying or doing weird things, uh, that sort of thing. In the same way people use like a, a animated GIF of TR putting on his hat or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, just think about that. One of, the, one of the most enduring characters of our lifetime. Yeah, most, yeah, most I mean, I have a couple of those uh, Trump comics that Timothy Lim has done. The Space Force and Walmite, and those are really fun. Like, like it's just in it really enjoyable comics and this it's obviously a, somewhat of a parody but it's also just uh just fun enjoyable little stories and this happened to involve trump and and friends <laughs> <laughs> that that's great I, i'm looking forward to more of that yeah no this is like also it's like a character i mean again i wouldn't make him a, a viewpoint character because it wouldn't work as well to be right. inside his head it's better to have somebody looking from the outside seeing what he's doing, but it's actually like the, the opening chapter actually of book five without spoiling anything has him actually getting a pretty awesome moment that kind of like, it's a somewhat comedic chapter in a way that kind of uh, subverts, but it kind of makes it interesting, especially in light of how book four ends. Like it basically book, it's the same, basically the same viewpoint character from the end of book four and the beginning of book five. And you get to see, like it's, it's, I can't, I can't really say much more without spoiling the scene. But my editor specifically mentioned that as a really, like a, a pretty funny chapter, and he really liked it. Cool. So I put it worked well as I expected. Um, I guess hey, only thing I'll say, yeah, only thing I'll say specifically is that it involves advertisements. Uh, okay. Without explaining how, it, it's a big. I'm leaving that as as a, a question or a mystery. <laughs> All right. Uh, give a shout out. Who's your editor? Uh, ben uh, Zwitsky, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's been involved with Superversive for a while. I think he might be one of the original Superversive people. Um, so, but he's edited all my all of my novels so far. So it's all five Galaxy Sentinel books so far, and the Dragon Hand, which is my fantasy book. Uh, I'll be going getting back to that series once I finish book seven. So that'll be hopefully, hopefully both of the next the last two books in that trilogy will be out next year. But uh, so he's edited all my books so far, and obviously having the same editor for the whole series helps because he remembers stuff, and so he could mention something if like he notices that I'm hinting at something, or I called back to something, and obviously he also has enough of a sense of the characters that he that he could let me know if something feels a little bit off, that I should adjust in one chapter or another that I'm working on, that he wants to uh, revise something, but uh, yeah, it's been a very consistent project it's the same editor the same artist for uh the whole series and uh i like working that way well i mean i i think you're getting results here i the art in particular dealing with this artist i love this old you know painted style cover yeah uh very pulp reminiscent 
Yeah, that's part of what I wanted when I first was looking for art. I wanted, I didn't want to do just another spaceship on a cover thing. Like, those have been done to death, and you can't tell one book from the other, really, without knowing what the title is or something. This, obviously, I'm still not a big, pretty big name yet, but the idea is that these are covers that people will see and then remember. That you were just recognize the book without having to know specifically what the title is. You can just see the cover and just know that it's from my series, because... Uh, it don't look like a whole lot of other stuff in the genre, at least not right now. So, it also gives me a way to get my art of my characters without having to wait for fan art to happen because I get to commission it for the cover. So, it's a win-win. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, I had another question, but it's it's yeah. getting lost in the ether of my brainwaves. <laughs> Daddy Warpig, do you have uh, do you have any questions? I don't actually. <laughs> have you read them? Because I haven't. I and I'm terrible. I haven't read these these books yet. I'm, my my pulp rev backlog is way too long. Everybody knows the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a running problem for everybody. I think. Yeah. Oh, that that's what I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you heard this while you were breaking up earlier on your Wi-Fi connection. Um, but uh, Brian Bradbury in the chat was hoping to get a T-shirt of your book cover. Are you? Do you have merch uh, plans, or are you doing any of that? I would definitely like to. It's something I haven't had time yet to look into the logistics of setting up, and also how that works with the art. Like, what if I could just be like, how like how to set it up? It's something I'm going to look into setting up. Maybe talk to my artist about if I have to do anything with him. Did he need to give me anything for that, or and obviously just researching. The various, like, I mean, there are a handful of uh, sites people use for uh, merch of various types. So, uh, yeah, something I definitely plan on on doing eventually, hopefully soon. But yeah, I would, I would love to have art. I mean, shirts of my cover of my book with my book covers on it too, because I can obviously have the version without the text on it, so I could just have the art on there. And uh, yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, also, I would I would like to do posters also at some point because a lot of this. I mean, I actually own. The art of the actual painting of my fantasy novel that my that the artist like I bought it from him, so I actually own that one right now. And so I get, it obviously looks very nice on a wall, and the other covers also would look. I just can't afford to buy the paintings right now, but uh, and also I also like to have posters as an option, even just to add that as a crowdfunding uh, perk or something. Just a matter of figuring out where I could do it and what the cost, like uh, how much it would cost to do and how much. I would be able to charge for it and all that kind of stuff. The the business stuff that I'm not as good at yet in uh, this whole writing game. So that's uh, something definitely, but short answer is yes, it's going to happen. It's a matter of me spending the time to figure out how best to do it and then uh, getting it set up. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, I hope so. This is, this artwork is really cool and it's sort of, it's the sort of thing that belongs on, on the wall and of course getting people out there out there looking at this stuff saying hey what's that from oh this this the awesome book series that i have check it out yeah yeah i just got an email from my artist uh, over the over the last day or so moving forward on the on the book six cover already so that's coming out nicely too i get to have la i get to have laser swords on that on Book six oh, and book seven's finally! Cover. I didn't want to yeah. say anything. I was hoping. Yeah, that yeah, we no, yeah well, well, the, well, they've they've shown up in the series starting in book three. I mean, the other the other energy swords in the series also, besides for that, but like actual, uh, like more lightsaber ish. Until they function very differently, laser swords start showing up in book three, and the main character who uses that uh, on a regular basis will be on the book six cover. So. Uh, that where, where book six is also where the, where the last of the viewpoint characters who didn't get a cover yet will be showing up too. So the last two of them will uh, make an appearance there. And yes, I, I, I couldn't go through a whole seven book series without having laser swords on a cover at least once. I mean, it's space opera after all. Oh yeah. So uh, save it for the end though. But, uh, all right. Uh, speaking of the end, we're, we're coming to a close here. Where can, Yes. We find all of this uh, stuff. Are, are you doing? You're doing a Kickstarter for sales, right? Uh, I did already. Those are both done. Uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo for books four and five are finished already. All the books are on Amazon. The first four books 
are available for purchase now. The print book of book four will be up in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, and then book five comes out also in uh, about two and a half weeks on, on December 10th. And book five is, is available for pre-order already on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, and obviously also my fantasy book is on Amazon too, as is, uh, my fantasy, my fantasy novel I said already. And also my history book is there too, for anybody interested in somewhat obscure piece of history that I decided to publish uh, my thesis on because no one else wrote anything about it in a long time. And, uh, book about? it's about, um, the, the regent of Hungary during the interwar period in World War II, Nicholas Horthy. Basically, he was in power for 25 years, so I basically covered his time in office and all the political developments that happened, and it was, a, it was an interesting interesting topic that there's not much in English about, so I published it, and if you search Horthy on Amazon Books, I'm like the third or fourth result after his own memoirs, because there's nothing in English about it. Huh. So, uh, at least nothing in print. There's a really good book about it, but it's not, it's not in print in English anymore, so it's unfindable right now. But uh, so I'm like the, the basic source. I sell books. I sell copies every every week or so without even any ads on it because I guess if somebody happens to search him and they want a book, I'm really the only option apart from his own memoirs. And then that's it. So, uh, yeah, so that's a fun extra thing I have. I, I love that. Let's let's put a note for, for a future episode. I'd really love to talk – about nonfiction and and how that's wildly different, how different it is from trying to publish fiction and and that because as you said, some you don't seem to need the same kind of advertising. Sometimes you just need to be yeah. to have, to to have something interesting to say about a topic, or or and, and people will flock to that. Yeah, I was watching that like a month or two ago. I remember I sold like four copies in like a day or two. And I had no idea why. And I was asking somebody online, asking online on Twitter, just generally like, I have no idea why I sold a bunch of books of this, but like, I'm just happy that I sold books. And apparently some game had just come out or just got patched or something that added in Hungary as a faction in that time period. And he's, and Horthy was, he's the head of state for your faction if you play as Hungary in that game. So it's possible that some people who were playing that game wanted to read about him and then they found my book and then they bought it. I mean, I get oh, no ways. There's no way to tell if that's actually what happened, but that's the only thing that I could find that happened around those days when I sold more copies than usual. So uh, it was kind of fun. And something else would cost me nothing to publish because all I had to do was um, get it get it formatted because it was already all edited and everything from my master's thesis. Then I got just like a, a very basic cover done, which wasn't expensive at all. And then like, I didn't have to do any commission, any expensive art, I didn't have to commission any editing. And they just put it up there because I already I I'd already put out my first book or two by that point, and just I knew how to do it already, and it was very easy. So I just said, why not? Like it'll sell a little bit, and allow people who want to research this topic to actually have a basic primer. It's like 100, 140 pages or something uh, to read about this guy in this interesting time period that nobody ever studies in America, at least. So. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, there, and also you saw on Amazon before. I also have stories that came out in two separate anthologies this past year, both set in the Galaxy Ascendant universe, but not connected to the main story. They're both set actually like hundreds of years before um, the actual uh, series. So it allowed me to practice my short stories, which I'm still working on getting better at. And oh. uh, there might be more of that down the line if uh, I find place for it and. It's fun. It's something very different. Like I'm trying to also do some different stuff in my writing, not just do the same thing over and over again, even though I do enjoy writing the space opera and the epic fantasy. Like It's nice to do something a little bit different. I have a whole different project also in, in, the, in the works for next year too, an entirely different kind of uh, fantasy series that uh, I'm outlining now. So just trying to keep moving and trying to also hit that 20 bookmark. Cause that's uh, one of those, the 20 books of 50 K people. That's one of the big things they say is to try and get to that 20 bookmark. And then like, that's really where you can start making things move more. So I'm trying to move along. I'll have, I'll soon to have seven books out and then, uh, so I'm already almost halfway there. Well, I, I, I think your pace is going to improve and, and I'm happy to hear that you're making, progress on your dreams i know that's sort of 
it sounds sounds corny and and everything, <laughs> but it's it's true. This is this is great. Um, yeah. Well, everybody no, knows just, where to, everybody knows where to get your stuff now. We've got your author page on Amazon. Yeah. All, all those those anthologies that you mentioned and all the uh, all the Galaxy Ascendant books are, are here. It looks like you've got a sale on on your first one. On yeah, the first one I've more or less just kept at, especially now that I have up to book five ready. So I kind of like the idea of keeping book one at the ninety nine cents as a way to just whoever someone wants to get started on the series can pick up book one very cheap and then hopefully they'll be interested enough to stick around for the next uh four to six that uh then they'll be able to uh, then buy the regular price so it seems to work have worked I've, I've had days where i sold the whole series so far so i think it does work to some degree well but, yeah uh, i've heard that having a back catalog is is the most important thing that people usually start yeah, at book yeah. three and then go back and buy the first two is that what you're seeing in yours uh, yeah, I mean, I can't tell it all the time, but I mean, I have, like I said, I have had days where I've sold books one through three altogether. Also, because Amazon has book, like a series page for the Galaxy Sentence series where they show like all three books. They haven't added book four yet. I, I emailed them this week to get them to add book four to it too. But uh, so they had a page where you get shows just the whole series up to that point. And obviously, people could buy the uh, the whole thing from right from that page there, which is very easy. And that's a nice, nice little thing Amazon does for you, also. So, uh, cool. Uh, well, I appreciate yeah. that. Do you, do you have any other last thoughts before we sign off for today? Uh, nothing specific. I'm mean, obviously just check out the books. I also hope we're going to be having some more fun stuff down the line too. I'm working on. I commissioned a, a concept art for one of the ships in the series. I'm hopefully going to do more of that. I actually have a, a subscribe star page that hasn't really, I haven't really been promoting it much yet because I want to try and more or less going to wait till I have the first one of those concept arts done. So I can actually show people what I'm going to use that page to fund. And I might open a Patreon also for the same purpose, just to be able to fund, uh, fund supplemental stuff, like artwork stuff, especially for the series, because it obviously is very fun to have visuals of the actual ships. I already have the characters on the covers. So, uh, and there's plenty of interesting ships. I think that would be uh, make for very good concept art, and then potentially more down the road. So, uh, if anybody wants to support that that kind of stuff, I do have a subscribe start under under my name. Uh, that's just there. I, mean, I guess I'm going to promote it more once I have that first finished uh, ship art as a way to like show what you'll be supporting. It's a little bit hard to try and promote that kind of thing when you don't have anything to show yet. So. Uh, that hopefully will be moving along in the near future too. Cause I do plan, as I said, I plan on writing this universe for a long time. I already have, I think four or five different uh, spinoffs or kind of sequel series to this one already in the basic idea phase. And then I'm going to start to outline them probably over next year and then start writing them maybe the year after that or something, take a little bit of a break from the space opera, do some more fantasy for a year and then recharge the batteries as it were. and can get back into space stuff uh once again well, that sounds good i mean best of luck on that in your thank you yeah and, and your your ninja warrior training we'll we'll ke- we'll check in with you when when you've got uh when you've got that stuff released and you're you're moving on to the next big thing yeah yeah well, obviously i'll be letting everybody know as things move along like i said book book five comes out in just two and a half weeks so there'll already be another release very soon and then like i said i hope for book six and book seven to both be out by uh by the mid-spring like by may so uh not slowing down if i can help it and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah keep this good phone yeah. service yeah yeah this yeah it seems to work well it doesn't, it doesn't work as well on base but it works well when i'm at home but there's always trade-offs mm-hmm. so uh but I am in the mountains there, so that's part of the reason why I think. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad you came on. Thanks for chatting with us. And for yeah, my I'm glad part, I made it work in the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for it, yeah, I really appreciate having you on, and and I appreciate everybody hanging out and chat. Uh, we got we got the uh, we got the usual crowd plus a, a few new faces I see in chat. Thanks for dropping in, Brian, Fiona Wolf, uh, Bradford Walker, and everybody else that I'm not going to scroll up and say hi to. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Uh, I was just about to say, uh, Daddy Warpig, would you 
kindly do the honors. I was, I was like, oh, that sounds like an awkward transition is coming. <laughs> awesome. Maybe Wait, I hold, improve on that. Uh, you know what? You think after a couple of years, I'd, I'd improve on that sort of thing, but now. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the show. Um, I want to thank Yakov for coming on the show and being an awesome guest. Um, and uh, want to, of course, thank Dornall for being my co-host and taking care of setting up the show and finding the art to put on the clips and stuff like that. And uh, I, I doubly, trebly, and quadruply want to thank all the people who come and listen to us live uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can, we do the show about this time, just about every week. Um, you can listen to us on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab. And if you don't want to listen to us on YouTube, you can subscribe to us on the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, and on SoundCloud.com. Just do a search for Geek Gab on any one of those sites, and we are there. Folks, it's been a great show today. Um, but we are leaving you right now. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.